0: Bye, Cam. Adios, boy. (coughs) (coughs) (sighs) (sighs) All right, well, good morning, everybody. Let's go ahead and pray for our Sunday school. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I I come to you this morning once again just to thank you, Lord, for those that are here, Lord. And I ask you just to be with those that are not here, Lord. Just touch them, and maybe they'll they'll be able to listen, Lord. And God, I ask you, Lord, that you help us this morning with this Sunday school lesson, Lord, that, that we be able to learn things about you. Just open our ears and our and our hearts and our minds to you today, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, we're still stepped off into this attributes of God and it just seems the you know these subjects get deeper and deeper the more you read so today we're going to talk about some more attributes of the of our God because we've talked about for months now about following God and and letting him lead us and and how to obey him and now we're kind of learning who he is And his attributes. So one of his attributes that we're going to talk about today is he's omnipotent. Omnipotent. And that's a big word. And, you know, hope I said it right. But we're talking about what is omnipotence, right? What is it? Well, the word omnipotence is a compound word. And it it, it consists of two parts. And the prefix, omni, it means uh, all. Omni means all. And and then the root word of that thing is uh, potent, which means powerful. So it means all-powerful. So if we put those together and we're talking about our God is omnipotent, it means that our God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. All-powerful. And, you know, we need to really break this down and think about this because we can say our God's omnipotent, our God's all-powerful, but do we truly realize what we're saying? So let's start off in Genesis 17.1. Let's read there. Genesis 17:1 <clears throat> Genesis chapter 17 verse 1 The Bible says, "And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God; walk before me and be thou perfect." I am the almighty God. So here we see God met Abraham and told him, I'm the almighty God. I'm not a almighty God. I am the almighty God. And that all in Hebrew, that means El Shaddai. El Shaddai is Hebrew for the almighty God. Okay. Let's go to Revelation nineteen six. So we start at the beginning of the Bible and let's go to the end of the Bible and see what, see about our God, right? So Revelation nineteen <clears throat> verse six. The Bible says, <clears throat> And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia. For, here we go, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. They could have they could have just said the Lord God reigneth, right? But no, they said the Lord God omnipotent, reigneth. What does that mean? That means he is all powerful and he reigns over everything. Our God reigns over the entire universe. And why does he get to be, be, able to one, get to be the one that reigns over the entire universe? He made it. He created it from nothing. And, and we see, like I said, we started in Genesis, went all the way to Revelations. So we see from the very beginning of the Bible to the very end of the Bible, which is the very beginning of creation to the very end where God does what He wants to with His creation. Who's Almighty? God. The God of heaven. That God is the Almighty God all the way through the Bible. And let's look at Psalm 62, 11. <clears throat> Psalm 62:11 <clears throat> Psalm 62 verse 11 The Bible says God has spoken once twice have I heard this that power belongeth unto God Okay, there again, it's not power belongeth unto a God, it's power belongeth unto God, the one God. Okay? And that means all power, not just some power. It doesn't say some power, it says power. That means every drop of power, everything of energy, everything, all power belongs to God. And, and it's his because he's infinite, right? He's infinite and his power is without limit. He's infinite, so His power is without, without limit. God can do anything. And that's what we need to understand. This is the God we're talking about. This is not a limited God. So let's look at Job, Job 42, 2. <clears throat> Job 42, 2. <clears throat> Job 42, verse 2 says, I know that thou canst do Everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. No thought can be withholden from thee. So we're seeing here Job's testimony, right? God can do everything. Everything God can do. There's nothing he cannot do. And it says, not even a thought is withheld from him. Okay? Put, just think about that for a moment. The thoughts in your head right now are not withheld from him. The thoughts you have in the morning and during the day and late at night are not withheld from him. There's no purpose in our lives that is withheld from God. Okay. And you think about it. There's so many people in this world today that's scared the government's going to put up more cameras and have more technology and track your money and track your credit cards and track your phone. You're worried about that. God knows your thoughts. Big brother can't do that. They can't know our thoughts. God knows our thoughts. Are you scared of this God? You're trying to hide everything from the government or from other people. But are you scared of the God that created you? Think about that. That's how great he is. Let's look at Genesis 18 again. Back to Genesis. Genesis 18, 14. The Bible says, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. So what are we talking about here? Well, we're talking about Abraham and Sarah, but it says right there, nothing is too hard for the Lord. But what do we find? We found Abraham and Sarah, they were old, right? They were really old, like they were grandparents old or great grandparents old. They were old and they were past the time of having a child. Even their bodies, physically, we know the human body gets to where it can no longer have a child. They were there. They were there. And that's what God told them, you're going to have a child. And remember, Abraham didn't believe it. And Sarah was laughing, right? But what happened? She was well past the time of being, you know, of, of bearing children but God said you're going to have a child, and guess what she did? She had a child. Exactly what God said, right? So let's look at Jeremiah 32. Jeremiah 32. <coughs> Jeremiah 32, verse 17. <coughs> the Bible says, And the Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power, and stretched out Arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. What are we seeing here? Well we're seeing by God's great power He created what? He created the heavens, He created the earth from nothing. okay He created the earth you're walking on from nothing. All the atmosphere, all the space where all the stars are, everything. As far as we can see, as far as we explore, we can go as deepest ocean we want to God made it. God made that. You know, and it's funny. We have these telescopes, and we talked about this before. They have these big old observatories with huge telescopes, and they say, we found the end of the universe. And then they made the Hubble, and they launched it up into space, and they started looking, and they go, oh, it's bigger than we thought. And then they upgraded the Hubble. I think they're on the third upgrade. And every time they upgrade it, they, there's a new story. We found the end of the universe. We're at the, We found it. And then they upgrade it, and they go, oh, it's bigger than we thought. Ha <laughs> ha, you're not going to find what, whatever God doesn't want you to find. He created He made it huge, okay? <clears throat> and it's funny. I read a little article about that. They were talking about how every time they talk about they found the end of the universe, well, now they've got it, it that it's so big that it doesn't fit the evolutionary scale where they said it just a big boom and everything spread out. Well, they're beyond the, the, the spread of what they think that could have happened in the billions of years. So, ha ha, it's funny. That's why, why is that? Because nothing is too difficult for our God, right? Still in Jeremiah 32, let's look at verse 27 though. The Bible says, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Okay? he's the god of all flesh I mean he's the god of everything that's living right nothing is too big for this God because he created it he is the master of it he is the owner he is the possessor he created all flesh right and let's look at Matthew 19:26 26. <clears throat> Matthew 19, verse 26, the Bible says, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men, this is impossible. Okay? With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. All things, right? All things. We can't save ourselves, can we? It's impossible. What's the only way you can get saved? Through Jesus Christ our Lord you can't get saved through works you can't get saved through paying penance you can't get saved through some other person or thing or entity that calls himself a God only through the only powerful God because there's no other God that created everything and that's what you got to go back to you got to go back to who created it right let's go to Luke chapter 1 Luke chapter 1 verse 37 <coughs> And this verse goes with that Matthew verse. Luke chapter one, verse 37 says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Okay. That's what that other verse told us, right? Nothing with God, nothing is impossible. Absolutely nothing. Right. Even though God is, is omnipotent though, there are some things he cannot do you think, wow, what is this? Well, these would be anything, anything that is inconsistent with his character and nature. Okay. We're going to look at this because you're thinking, Oh, you just told me this God's omnipotent; He can do everything. He can, but there's some things he can't do. Well, let's go to Titus chapter one, Titus chapter one, right before Hebrews. If I can get there a little bit before Hebrews. There we go. Titus chapter one, In verse 2, and listen to this. In hope of eternal life. Okay, this is the eternal life that God has promised you, right? In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. That's an amazing verse. God, there's something God can't do. He's omnipotent, but he cannot lie. That's awesome. He cannot lie. So he promised us. Before he created everything, before there was anything, it was just God, but he already made a promise that he would give us salvation that's hard to wrap your head around isn't it? Yes. But he already made that promise, and here 's the thing: he cannot lie, so his salvation is forever okay hebrews six <clears> eighteen <throat> Amazing God, huh? Hebrews 6:18 the Bible says that by two immutable things <clears throat> immutable means unchangeable by two immutable things in which it was impossible here we go for God to lie we might have a strong consolation who have fled for a refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us what is that hope that hope is salvation salvation through jesus christ our lord and it says salvation through jesus christ our lord who cannot lie he said he would save us he said he would he send his son and and let him die on a cross for our sins okay well he said that and guess what he cannot lie so you know you ever had somebody make a promise to you and then break it well god's made promises to us and he's never broken one Life. because he cannot lie right. he can't okay and, and also, God only do, does that which is consistent with His will, right? For certain reasons, only known to God. We don't know. We can't understand why God does what He does. But He's chosen not to do certain things, right? And let's look at some of this. Let's look at Matthew. Matthew 3, 9. Matthew 3, verse 9. Excuse me. The Bible says, And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God, here's that God again, is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. So our God, He's so powerful, He's so omnipotent, that if He wanted to, He could have taken those stones and told them, arise. And guess what? Those stones would have had life and personality because it says they would have been sons to Abraham. Okay. Go outside, pick up a stone. I want to see you turn it into life. Take that rock and make it real, right? Make it live. God can do that. He's omnipotent. He chose not to, but he can. That's what we need to understand. He could have given that stone, I mean, given that stone some, some life and personality, right? And you think about it. Taking that rock and making it, it live, giving it personality, giving it life, that takes some imagination, right? That, who would have thought of that? Man, we just kick rocks around, they're rocks. You know, but think about it. We're created in God's image. So, Humans are created in God's image, so we have attributes of God, pieces of them, right? We're not omnipotent, but we're pretty intelligent, right? Look at all the things that man's created. The only reason man could create anything and build anything is because God gives us that intelligence. He gives us that, that in, in ingenuity to build stuff, right? You, you, come on, look at, look at the monkeys. They say we evolved from monkeys. You see monkeys building rocket ships? You see monkeys building buildings or houses? No, from the time God created a monkey and put it on this earth, it's doing the same thing it did back then. It jumps from tree to tree and eats bananas, right? That's what they do. They're intelligent, right? Because they're created by God, but they don't have that ingenuity that God gave humans because they're not made in His image. They're created by Him. And that's what we need to understand. And this is where evolutionists lose their mind. They don't get that. They think they're from, you know, come from bugs and fish and monkeys. Then we don't. You know, if that was true, then those animals and those beings and creatures would be building, you know, rocket ships. And and the fish would be building submarines. I don't know. But they can't because they're not made in God's image. Okay. Side note. Sorry. So let's look at Matthew 26, 53. see how amazing our god is. And we're talking about things that he could do, but he hasn't. He didn't. 2653. And this is this is when Christ was here and, and, and they were they were going to arrest him, right? And what were they going to do? They were going to arrest him so they could kill him. They were going to put him on that cross. 2653 and here's Jesus speaking. Says, "Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father that's God in heaven, right? And he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. So here's Jesus out in the garden. They've sent this little pack of men with swords and sticks to arrest him, right? I don't know how many were there. 15, 20, who knows? 100? Would it matter? Because God said, Jesus told us that, that I could pray to my father and he would send me was it? Twelve legions? Twelve legions. How many is a legion? I looked it up. A Roman legion was 5,000 soldiers times 12. That's 60,000 angels. Jesus could just look up and go, Father, send me the legions. And there'd be 60,000 angels around him. And here's 12 little dudes with little swords and sticks. That's a losing battle. That's a losing battle. God could have done that. But he did not. He chose not to. Now, we don't understand why, because that's his son. But we know why, because Jesus died for us. But well, we can't understand that, can we? We would do everything we could to save our children. We'd probably give our own lives to save our children. But God sent his son to die for us. That's omnipotence, right? <clears throat> so Jesus, and Jesus Christ being God, he could have summoned those angels to rescue him. And, and, but we don't understand all this, but that's why we don't understand God because He's that omnipotent. It's His will. His will will be in our lives. We just need to learn to follow Him. And, and He can do these things because God is omnipotent, but He chose not to. It, it, what that means is God can, does anything that's consistent with His will and His nature. And what's His will and His nature? He's perfect. So what do we learn? He doesn't lie. Okay. Let's keep learning about this God's omnipotence. How is God's omnipotence displayed to us? Well, let's look at Romans chapter 1. So we're not just talking about something. There's something we can actually see. Romans 1 verse 20. The Bible says... For the invisible things of Him from creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. What's he talking about? That verse is talking about there is no human being on this earth that has has an excuse for not believing in God the Father. Why? Because... His omnipotence is shown in the creation of everything, every living thing, every dead thing, everything on this earth, everything in the heavens, everything in the stars and the planets and space is evidence that God is omnipotent. And there's so many things that you could go through science has tried to prove and they can't figure out this. They can't figure out like those creation pamphlets we get in our Sunday school things. You read them there's this bug that has a, you know, a flame that he could shoot out. They don't know how it works. You know, here's the biggest thing, okay? We have planets, and we have stars, and we have moons, and everything's rolling around here. We have suns. And you know what? They know gravity holds the earth together, but they can't explain gravity. They don't know why there is gravity. And here's another one that science can't explain. They can't explain how the earth and the sun and the moon and all these planets stay exactly where they're supposed to be, and they rotate. We're moving. They can't figure out why we follow this pattern. Why? I can. God said so. Because God said, earth, you're going to move in this little circle. This is what you're going to do for the rest of your existence till I change you. And why is that? Because that fits God's will. Science will never be able to figure out because it's God's will. He's an utter, he's an utter complete command of everything just by speaking a word. He can be utterly in command of everything just by a thought. If God thought right now, okay, I'm going to turn the earth the other way. Guess what would happen? We would all be in a world of trouble because the earth would be turning the other way. Okay. And there's going to be a time when God, he's sitting on that throne in heaven and he has that thought. He goes, it's time. He's going to look at Jesus and go, go get your church. And there's nobody that can explain that and there's nobody that can stop it. Okay. Psalms 33. And this world will, will, will take notice when Jesus comes back. My. And there's nobody going to be able to, there's nobody on this earth that's not going to know what just happened. And that's going to be another sign of God's omnipotence right there. No, they'll try. They'll try to lie and deceive and, and the false prophets and the Antichrist will come to power, but they ain't got it. Psalms 33 6 the the Bible says by the word by the word guys by the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth so God there was nothing and God said a word and everything was here it didn't take him long it took him six days and I think that's because he just wanted to take his time because he could have said go and everything would have been made in one day if he wanted in one second, he chose six days. He chose six days. And we don't understand why. He just because it, it's what he wanted. It's his will, right? And by the, breath of it, by the breath of his mouth, everything has life. Okay? That right there shows his omnipotence. In the same chapter, 33, let's look at verse 9. The Bible says, "...for he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast." This is creation we're talking about. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, everything got life. Right. He spoke it. It was done. He commanded it and it stood fast. Is that not power? Is that not omnipotence? I mean, we look at Genesis in Genesis chapters one and two. We read the the account of creation. Right. And where there was nothing, there was nothing. We can't understand nothing because we live here. But there was nothing. Nothing except God he was there where wherever he wanted to be and then God said you know what i'm going to make something and he did in 6 days he made everything right let's let's look at genesis chapter 1 verse 3 look at this you don't think he's a great powerful god here we go genesis chapter 1 verse 3 the bible says and god said let there be light and there was light wow so there was nothing. There was not light, and you think, "Oh, so it was dark?" No, there was no darkness. There was nothing. God said, "Let there be light." That's pretty powerful. I mean, I think I'm pretty powerful when I walk in the room and turn a light on. But God did it when there was nothing. That's an amazing God, right? So let's look at um, let's look at Isaiah 40. That's where I'm at. Isaiah 40, verse 28. I mean, this God, He is so amazing. <clears throat> and, you know, here's the thing about God and His omnipotence and His power to create and power to do His will is His power never runs out. It's never diminished. He's not like, the, you, know, the, my, uh, you know, my power tools. that I'm drilling along and all of a sudden He just goes, Ugh. He doesn't run out of power. Even when He was finished creating everything from nothing, Six days of creation. That's Man, that's a workload, right? Guess what? It wasn't nothing to him. He was still ready to go. You know? He did not need to rest on that seventh day, but he did. That rest was for us so we could come and worship him because he's the creator. He's that omnipotent, right? He wasn't weary. Isaiah 40, verse 28. The Bible says... Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, here we go. He's giving his pedigree right here. The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. God does not get tired. He does not get faint. He's at 110%, 110% of the time. That's an omnipotent God. That's an amazing God. And he gives this pedigree right there so you don't, you don't get it mixed up with other gods, right? It says, the everlasting God. There's only one everlasting God. Every other person that's ever come up on this earth has said they're a God, they're dead. And they're still in the grave. And they were born. God wasn't born. He was here. And then it says, the Lord. Not a Lord. But then, right there, we've been talking about the Creator. The Creator. And we can't create anything. Okay? We could take stuff that God has made and make something out of it. But we can't create anything. You know, scientists try so bad, even though they're you know, using all kind of advanced science, and they may one day be cloning humans. And they say, we're created life. No, you didn't. You copied life. You stuck it in a Xerox machine and copied it because God already made it. Okay? Just remember that man can never create anything. Um, let's go to Exodus chapter 20. Does anybody think God's omnipotent yet? Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. If God wasn't omnipotent, you wouldn't take your next breath. Exodus twenty eight through 11. The Bible says, remember the Sabbath day. And keep it holy. That's the day he rested. That's when he, we keep it holy because we worship the God that created us, right? Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and, and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt do no work, thou, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, thy manservant nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger, that is, within thy gates." For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. God rested on that seventh day. Why? To set a pattern for us. He says you can work six days, but on the seventh day you got to rest. Because he knows we what? We get tired. We get weary. He doesn't. Okay. And, and that's preservation. He's preserving us. Right. God is powerful enough not only to create the universe, but he's also powerful enough to sustain it and preserve it. And that's what he says. Do all your work in six days. The seventh day, take a break. Because I know you're weary and you know? You know, you're tired. Right. But he says on the seventh day, you need to worship the guy that created you. Right. Worship that God. How about let's go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 17. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1, verse 17. See what well, how great our God is. The Bible says, and he is before all things, right? And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Think about that verse because of God, all things consist. That means because of God, everything holds together. If God didn't tell the earth to just stay together, it would just drift apart. If God didn't tell the earth to go in a certain orbit, it would just fly all over the place. It would be chaos. The whole universe is in a certain pattern in a certain way. And it's because why? Because God told it to be that way. It's not because of a big boom and everything spread out and it just happened to start floating in space that way. God told everything to do that. You know, just like God told the tree to start from a seed and grow out of the soil and grow big and mighty and give us fruit. If God didn't tell the tree to do that, the tree wouldn't do it. It would just fall apart. God consists and holds everything. Just like I said, your next breath is only because God's consisting you. He's giving you that next breath, right? I mean, look at the human body. It's an amazing machine. Everything works together to keep you going, right? And science can't figure it out. They don't know what everything does. They always talk about, oh, we found this and we discovered that. And you wait a few years and they go, well, we just discovered something even more minute than that that's working. we don't understand how it works, but we found it, you know. It's because God doesn't want you to. He made it and he's he's laughing at us I'm sure. Every time we make a new discovery and we kick it out in, you know, the newspaper or the in the news. Hebrews one three. Hebrews 1, 3, the Bible says, Who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Who are we talking about? We're talking about Jesus. Jesus. Jesus Christ the Lord. He's the radiance of His Father's glory. And, and he's, the, he's the exact representation of God's nature. Jesus. And He put Him down here on the earth with us, right? And He upholds all things by what? It said, the verse says, by the word of His power. By the word. There's no ruler in this earth that has ever been born or ever will be born that has that much power. Right? <coughs> Let's go back to Job. Job four, uh, Job 34. Job 34. Just wondering if y'all think he's powerful or not. 34, and let's read 14 and 15. The Bible says, If he set his heart upon man, if he gather unto himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh shall perish together and... Man shall turn again unto dust. Wow. It's a pretty scary verse, right? So God's power is to preserve the universe, right? And this power includes sustaining our very lives, right? Job tells us that if God determined to do so, he could gather himself and his spirit and his breath, right? They're his because he gave them to us. So your life is his. He could gather all that back and all flesh would what? It says it would perish together. And man would turn to dust. That means we would just fall apart. If God wanted to right now, he could go, okay, you know what? Bring my spirit and my soul and my essence and my breath back. And we would stand here and just be nothing to hold us together. We're held together by God's power. That's how much power he has. Let's look at Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19, <clears throat> let's read uh, 23 through 26. Matthew 19, 23 to 26, the Bible says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man in, to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Isn't that amazing? Think about that. It's easier for you to shove a camel through the eye of a needle, which we know is impossible for man. But God saves us. That's amazing. That is amazing. So God is all powerful in salvation, isn't he? Right. And this is probably the greatest display of God's power occurs when when we are changed from a natural man to a saved man. That's an amazing, amazing thing. That's even more amazing than creating the earth. He saves us. And and at that moment, our heart changes. From, from unsaved to saved, he transforms us from a rebellious, hell-bound sinner into what? A righteous, heaven-bound saint. That is power. Right. Nobody else could do that. There's people we go to, you know, you get, to, you get arrested, you go to prison, they have all these programs to rehab you, and it never works. It doesn't change you. You might come out and not do any crime again, but you're still the same old dirty person. Only God has that power to take you from completely filthy to completely perfectly clean. Okay? So that that's pretty omnipotent, right? Let's look at John chapter 10. John chapter 10 <coughs> Let's look at 28 and 29. John chapter 10. 28 and 29, the Bible says, and this is Jesus speaking. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. That's salvation forever, isn't it? That's sanctification. God saved us. And it's, that salvation is forever. You can't lose your salvation, and you don't need to get saved every Sunday. Okay? God is powerful enough not only to save a soul, but to also keep that soul saved, right? If he's powerful enough to offer a salvation, why would you not think he could keep you saved? Why would you think you can lose it, right? Believers are eternally secure because their their belief is preserved in faith of an omnipotent God. It says right there, those people, Jesus said, those people are given to me and I hold them in my hand. And guess what? They're also held in God's hand, who's greater than me. And nobody can take them out of God's hand. You think the God, the omnipotent God that created everything, there's something that could take you out of his hand? No. Never. Let's look at First Peter. First <clears throat> Peter chapter 1. Watch it back there. First Peter chapter 1. And let's read verses 3 through 5. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 5. The Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which, according to His abundant mercy... Hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, <clears throat> who are kept by the power of God, that omnipotent God right there, by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. That's God. That's God, and you think about that. Jesus was sent to this earth. He was born as a human, and he died on a cross as a human, okay? And then they, we, we tell everybody, but he resurrected, and he did. In three days, he resurrected. And, you know, there's people that say, well, the Bible also says Lazarus resurrected, and there was other people that were dead, maidens that were dead, and Jesus raised them back to life. So why is Jesus' resurrection any different? Because those people died again. He never died again. when he resurrected, he went straight to heaven. That's why his is different. He is God. He is omnipotent. Jesus knew he had to die. He even said I could send, God could send 60,000 angels to save me. You're right. But he said it's God's will. And we've been talking about that. He's omnipotent, so it's God's will. God has his will. And his will was say so Son would die for us. And that his son would be resurrected for us. And his son would go to heaven. And guess what? That all happened. Yeah, Lazarus got rose again, but he died again. Eventually. Right? But that's God. That's omnipotence. That's power. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. <clears throat> if you had any doubt that our God is not omnipotent, and you sit through this Bible study and, and don't believe he's God, you're dumber than a hammer. Ephesians 2, 5. Even when we were dead in sins, right? Hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved. What an amazing verse. So we were dead, what do you mean you were dead? Well, you were actually alive, but you were dead in sins. That means you were living your life. And when you died, you were going to die and go to hell and be separated from God forever. OK, that's dead in sin. Right. But God, what? He resurrects you. When you get saved, you're resurrected with Christ because Christ was resurrected and went to heaven. Right. That's what you're going to be doing when we die. If you're saved, when you die, you get the and go to heaven you get the same trip that Jesus got, right? So that's God's power. He's able to raise us, raise the spiritual dead. So his power is able to raise the physical dead. And we've seen that on earth. He raised physical dead. He's able to raise spiritual dead. This is God. This is omnipotence. This is complete, ultimate power, right? So let's look at one more. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. That's why I don't look right. I'm on the wrong verse. Wrong Bible. There we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14 says, And God hath both raised up the Lord, and will also raise up raise up us by his own power. A couple cool things about this verse. We're talking about God in heaven, right? It says he raised the Lord. Some people think God in heaven is the Lord and he is, but he's talking about Jesus. Jesus is also the Lord. They're the same. There's no denying that. And the Holy Ghost is also the Lord. That's a trinity. So there's these religions that try to split that It'd say that God was just a prophet, or Jesus was just a prophet? Nope. He was God. He was 100% man, and he was 100% God at the same time. Okay? So there's the first thing we see. That's power. How, how much power is that? That God could send his essence down here in Jesus and walk among us. That's pretty amazing. That's a God, right? No other God can even claim that. Okay? But what else we got? Not only has God have the power to raise the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead and take him to heaven... But it says, through his power, his omnipotence, he will one day raise all the saints to go to heaven as well. Okay? You think God isn't powerful? Now think about those thoughts you have. We talked about that at the beginning. He reads those thoughts. He sees them. So you better really think about what you're thinking and what you're doing. Don't worry about big brother. Don't worry about the government. You know, they can only hurt you physically some. Think about God. Serve God. This is the omnipotent God. This is the almighty God. This is El Shaddai. Yes. Okay? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you, Lord, just to thank you for this moment to open your Bible, and just to learn more about your power and your your awesomeness, Lord, and your omnipotence and how just amazing you truly are. And, and I know we can't even fathom your power, Lord. We can't even understand a, just a tenth of it, of the power that you have, Lord. And and and. and you tell us all this and, and we know it's true because you also say that you can't lie. So we we love you because you first loved us, Lord. And I ask you just to be with us the rest of this day as we continue to learn about you and, and worship you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.